0: You're listening to Plucking Up, a podcast that shares uninhibited conversations with celebrated authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and leaders about their pluck-ups. Our guests share their sometimes never-before-told mistakes, rejections, wrong turns, and the more difficult seasons of their lives and careers. But they're also sharing with us how they moved on and up and through to keep creating and inspiring. inspiring. Inspiring others to build lives of purpose, passion, and impact. I'm your lucky and plucky host, Liz Bohannon. Okay, I love having fellow podcasters on the show. Also, I just want to take a moment. It just kind of occurred to me that like the number one thing that I got in trouble for in school was talking. I talked too much. I talked too much. In fact, my history teacher my sophomore year of high school used painter's tape and he like made a box out of tape next to the front door of our classroom called it the fork and penalty box. And he made me and then anyone else stand in the fork and penalty box when they talked out of turn. And the idea was, one, you had to stand in the box, but two, the box was closer to the door, which was closer to the principal's office. (laughs) So if you had a second offense, the walk wasn't as long. And look at me now. Look at me now, Mr. Johnson. I talk literally for a living. So here we go. And so does my fellow podcaster, Kelty Knight. So Kelty Knight is one third of the trio behind the Lady Gang podcast. If you haven't listened to the Lady Gang podcast, you're going to get a primer on it here on the show today. So stay right here because we've got a great conversation about Kelty, her life, how she has handled both failures and success on this show. So super excited about it. These ladies, the lady gang, if you will, just came out with their second book called Lady Secrets. So I sat down with Kelty just before its release. This book is a collection of essays that is meant to help women be their authentic selves, which I'm obviously very excited about. Oh, my gosh. We covered so many things writing books, fear of failure, specifically fear of failure after you have success. Duh, the importance of therapy, which I feel like I talk about on every single show. Hi, this is the Plucking Up podcast sponsored by therapy in general. (laughs) Um, And also Katie's relationship with her other co-creators and co-hosts. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kelty Knight. I'm so excited to have
1: you here on the Plucking Up show. Thanks so much for joining us. I love it so much, and I love talking about failure. So this is like <laughs> really in my, my dream world right now.
0: I was actually, while prepping for this interview this morning, listening to your podcast and specifically an episode of your podcast where literally you're reading an audiobook chapter that's just talking about pluck ups. And I was like, oh, we're going to get along just fine. Yes. This is going to be great. Yes. Um. So will you tell our people, our community who might not be familiar with you, what's the like sure. 30 second elevator speech of where you are today? How would you describe yourself, how you spend your time,
1: oh what you're
0: interested in right now at this moment in time?
1: Okay, perfect. So I'm here in Los Angeles. I'm in my basement, uh <laughs> Lady Gang pseudo office. It's filled with Christmas tree bags that are filled with uh set pieces that I've personally cricketed and crafted for the Lady Gang <laughs> tour that's coming up in September, October, November. We have a brand new book called Lady Secrets, and it's our second book. It's the follow-up to our New York Times best-selling book, Act Like a Lady. And what happens when you release a second book is there's like so much more pressure because the first time they're like, we don't know if this is gonna go. And then you make the New York Times and everyone's like, oh, my God, you got to do it again. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And I feel like I'm birthing a child into the world. I'm very stressed out. And we're planning a tour, which feels like 15 weddings in five weeks with three brides. okay. I'm okay.
0: she's doing just fine, people. She's doing just fine. OK, you really took us there. You really took us there. And we're just going to dive in right now. I want to talk more about this second time around the block situation Because you did the thing and there is this like blissful ignorance sometimes, right? With the first, there's like this naivete, no one expects much from you. You're just starting out and whatever the endeavor is, you know, it's like your first go around and then you have success. Because sometimes I think we think, oh, well, the worst thing that can happen to us as far as like making us feel afraid or we're not you know, continuing to evolve or like take risks is that we fail. So we have this narrative that's like you put something out, you fail. It's really hard to do it again the next time. But also you put something out, you succeed. It's really hard to do it again. It just for like different reasons. So can we dive in and just talk about that Mm -hmm. when you were in the midst of experiencing the first round of success? How long did it take Before that gift and joy and just good thing that happened got twisted into, but oh my gosh, are we going to be able to replicate that? Like walk us through the progression of when the fear about the first success started to set in.
1: Oh, I love this. Well- I'd say first that, like in general, I am a Enneagram three, okay. like person who is very driven by outward success. I don't have a, a ton of hobbies or a ton of friends, and like I just love to work. And so, you know, for me, I'm always wanting like the best case delusional scenario to be happening <laughs> at all times <laughs> in my life. Like I live in a world in which anything is possible, and of course, I can do it. Why not me? And hmm. and so there's often times I'll just like preface this by saying there's often times when I'm working or doing things that I don't really know that I want it until I get the like claps. You know what I mean? Like I, so yes, I wanted the book to be a success and I knew we had this beautiful podcast and this wonderful podcast community, but it was an interesting thing because we, we released our book the first week of lockdown. Oh so, my gosh. Um, wow. And so we had a huge tour planned and we had this clothing line with Express and we we're going to go do styling sessions and a bus and meet everyone. And then it all just stopped, which of course, like people had it so much worse, but you're- you're dealing with your own little tiny, you know, knife cuts in your own life. And so yeah. I was just so gutted and I was like, Oh my God, we're no, we're not going to sell any books. This is going to be mm. such a failure. And then the community really rallied for us. And mm. they were like, we're still going to make this a success for you. And like, everyone was buying each other books and it was like just this most special mm. thing. So, In that moment, I was like, oh my God, I have a video of me crying on the kitchen floor when we made the New York Times list. And the girls, the other two girls in my podcast are like, you're a psycho. And I was like, just so emotional. (laughs) But then almost instantly, like I sleep on it. And then the next day I'm like, but I haven't done anything great today. Like I haven't done enough today. I got to start over. And so with this second book, I'll say in general in success, and I, I do feel like this happens to women when they have their second kid, when you have your second marriage, maybe when you're like working your way up the corporate chain. It's like everyone in your life, even the people that love you and even your haters, they're like so excited to see you do it the first time. Mm. And everyone rallies so hard. Like think about like first baby showers, first weddings, like, you know, first big thing that happens to you in your life. It's like such a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then you do it again and people are like, oh, okay. So that's where we're at. Like, I mean, the book's incredible and I'm so excited about it. But like, that's, that's what makes it really hard is that, yes, I put, very difficult standards upon myself, but just to like activate the people around you and get people excited. It's like, can you imagine being Beyonce and releasing like album 20? Like oh my god, like yeah. I, oh, I mean, I can. It would probably be great, but it's like, <laughs> what about Third Eye Blind? Do you know what I mean? When they're releasing album twenty, like how do you? Get I don't know about you, excited? but I'm in line for Third Eye Blind's twentieth album, just for the record. But yes, Me too. Me that too. is a really
0: interesting. Like the novelty, even for your community, has worn off, and you're feeling the impact of that. So as someone who's very driven by, I'm married to an Enneagram three. So I'm very, very familiar Ooh, with, with your type. <laughs> oh, so when um, threes are some of my favorite, so I'm an Enneagram eight. Oh, wow. And so threes and eights have a special thing. Eights feel a lot of trust towards threes' competencies. Like they like just knowing, like you yeah. can take care of yourself and I trust you and you've got it together. So there's like kind of a deep sense of, I'm feeling comfort even just being in your presence right now. I'm like, oh, yeah, Kelty can get ish done. And that that lets somebody like me like let my guard down a little bit. Of like, oh, I don't have to be the driver because somebody else is here. Anyway, that was a rabbit trail. So when you're in a place where you're like, because that only matters, right? How loud people are clapping for you only really matters if your core motivation is getting claps. Yeah. So what does it look like for you? to channel, or, and maybe your answer is no, I don't channel anything deeper. I am here for the claps and I'm just living into that. But if you do, because writing a book and going on tour, that's really hard. Yeah. And you have to have like a sustained level of kind of grit and motivation. So what does it look like for you to kind of channel more of an intrinsic motivation versus kind of waiting for your people to be like,
1: Kelty, go, go, go. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> um. No, I... I think uh, in my twenties and early thirties, it's what drove me to seek a lot of therapy and maybe some mm. bad relationships, just because mm. nothing else really had a lot of meaning. And I lived sort of on the either rejection or you, you know the collapse or the acceptance yeah. of other people thinking and what they thought about me. And then I've been you know deeply in therapy for many many years, and and I'd say that like my two innate personalities are either like, I'm on the treadmill and I'm running hundred miles an hour and I'm like going for it. Or I am like wanting to jump so far off the treadmill that I am like getting at hut in Costa Rica. I'm quitting show business. You'll mm-hmm. never hear from me again. I <laughs> shut down every social media. Like you'll ne- like the Emmys are in the trash. Like it's over, you know, I'm like, I live at these two extremes and in therapy, I'm really working on like, where can we meet in the middle where you don't have to like, like dumpster fire your entire life and everything you've ever done and you can get off the treadmill every day in some way. You can go for a walk, you can spend time watching a show, like what's a show? People watch television at night. I work until like 9:30 and make lists. Like so there's a way for me to like live somewhere in the middle mm. and I'm trying to figure out what that is and I've been really sort of like chasing joy of trying to figure out And recognizing when something that has nothing to do with outward acceptance, like, pings me. Mm. So, like, I just started growing a lot of houseplants. Mm -hmm. And this is lame. But like I talk to them every day and I water Mm -hmm. them and I check on their leaves and I'm feeling it. I'm feeling Mm -hmm. my soul. Am I going to start a houseplant Instagram or a houseplant podcast? No, it's just for me. (laughs) Nobody has to know about these plants. Kelty, you don't need people to be excited about your plants. Like just have them for you. You know, I
0: love that. I was laughing so hard because literally my therapist, I came into a session and was in the exact same place. Of like, it's either this, like it's running so hard, it's never stopping. It's like, I'm going to die on the treadmill or it's burn it all down. She was so sweet. And she just like very kindly looked at me and was like, so those are two really, really polar extreme options. And I'm going to suggest that maybe there's a third way. And I just looked at her and I don't think I said this because, you know, like trying to have some boundaries. And yeah, but in my head, I was like, you're wrong you're wrong. What do you know? Like, you've never been in this spot. Like, that is such a fantastical, whimsical idea that there might be a third way, but that literally doesn't exist. Now, even in this exact same scenario. Well, she was right. There is a third way. And usually your therapist is right. I think a lot of us often can get into that. She was like, hey, you should use this as a sign that you're not really healthy. Like when you feel really stuck, really afraid, really anxious, you tend to think more in these kind of like polar opposites versus the more nuanced of like what I love your your thought about like, what is some actionable, achievable, seemingly small thing that I could do today to infuse my life with a little bit more balance, whatever you're looking for, joy, gratitude, consistency. And that a lot of times it doesn't actually have to be some big, huge thing that you're going to write a memoir about. It could actually be like going for a 20 minute walk or getting some houseplants. But I don't know. I don't know what it is about. I don't know if it's certain personality types or if it's more like our culture. We have all these glorified stories of you know, like an eat, pray, love situation where it's like, burn your whole life down. Leave your husband, move to India. No one's writing a book about the woman who just got a Monstera. Yeah. And, you know, like that's not, we're not like telling those stories. So I don't know what it is that makes us feel like that. But my friend Bob Goff has this this thought where he's like, a lot of times our life can be totally transformed actually with a quarter turn. Just like, you don't have to blow it all up. Just yeah. like what's a little, a little quarter turn. Yeah. Um, so when does the book
1: actually launch? So the book comes out September 20th. Um, We will be in New York City. Our first Lady Gain show is Chicago on September 13th. And then we're kind of hitting the West Coast and then down to the South and then Texas and then kind of up the other side.
0: Okay. So when you envision wild success for this next venture, because you had great success on the first time. So now you actually have a little bit more of like, this is what it'll look like. This is what it'll feel like. Yeah. What does that look like? in your like wildest dreams. You're like, this is what I'm going for.
1: Okay, obviously I would love to make the New York Times list again. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to get on. And it has, you know, it's sales numbers plus cultural impact, plus all this stuff. Wild dreams. I would love to be in New York City with a sold out show, We've like about 70 tickets left I think in New York City we're playing the Gramercy Theater and like that would be a dream of mine to to have a New York show sell out. I would love for us to have like a real, like the, tr- the trio of us to have a really good time on the road. Mm. It's pretty stressful. And uh, Becca Tobin, my co-host, just has a new baby. She's a five month old at home. She's leaving for the first time. And it's just like kind of a high stress situation. And I just really love these girls. And we've worked so hard over the past seven years with the podcast and like, this is supposed to be the most fun we've ever had. And so I, I dream of it being like really fun. And then if I'm going to be 100% honest, I am really like, I would love to turn Lady Secrets into a television series. (laughs) Go there. She said it. Come on. Um, I really love these like anthology, like secret lives of sex lives of college girls and like Mm. these kinds of shows. And I think that the characters, like not only the three of us, but like all the secrets that women It's just really interesting and really raw in a way that a writer's room could never make it up. Hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I just feel like that would be incredible. And I would like to have a million followers on TikTok. So like, I mean, it's just small things. (laughs) Just small small things. things. Okay, so one,
0: I do want to point out that like half of your dreams are not externally motivated. Your relationships with your co hosts that's that's like a very intrinsic motivation. Your going on to even create something beyond this, like using this as the seeds to go create new art and meaningful cultural things. That's like a very intrinsic motivation. So one, I'm going to give you external claps for your internal motivations. There we
1: go. Maybe that's a
0: little bit counterproductive. That's why
1: now that's why I do it. I'm going to be nice to other people so that people will notice I'm nice (laughs) to other people and they'll clap for me. Perfect. You sound like
0: my children. Every time they do something good, they just look up. They're like, mom, did you see that? Also, do I get to watch TV now? I'm like, thank you. (laughs) Literally my six-year-old. It's like he's not even subtle. We were coming home from the swimming pool last night and we had stopped to get, you know, some delicious, wonderful, organic fast food. And he looked up at me and he was like, thanks so much for dinner, mom. And I was like, wow, you are so welcome. That was really sweet. And he does not wait six seconds before he's like, um, thank you. Now can we watch a show when I get home? Like, it's just like so obvious, but I can't even really blame him. Cause I'm like, you know what, buddy? Adults do that all the time. They're just like slightly more subtle about it. They wait like 15 minutes before, before they ask. But okay. So you told us about your dreams. Now, yeah. since this show is talking, you know, about pluck ups and failures yeah. and risk and all of that stuff. Tell us about the worst case scenario. Like tell us about, so you've, you've poured your life into yeah. this book, into this podcast, you've put so much time and energy and effort into this tour that you're about to embark on. When you lay in bed at night,
1: cry, it makes <laughs> my like gut hurt to even think about it. Sure. Worst case scenario is we release the book, it doesn't really sell, the community never really gets behind it, gets excited about it the tour people cancel some of the tour dates or all of them because they don't sell. Mm. We have 800 t-shirts that have our tour dates on it in our <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> and you're just sitting there and we never did the tour. And and I guess like my biggest fear is that it's such a giant crack and such a giant failure that like, I mean, we've been through so much. So like, there's no doubt in my mind we would keep going. But like, at at some point, there's always a crack that makes you be like, you know what, I'm done, I'm out. And so like, Mm. I'm always worried that crack is coming. Mm. Um, It didn't happen when our E show got canceled. It didn't happen when the pandemic happened. Like, there's been times where we've been like, "Mm, no thanks, I don't want to do this anymore. But we always keep going. And my fear is that it would be over because I love doing it so much. And then my biggest fear of all is that to be straight up honest with you, I wrote an essay in Lady Secrets about the fact that Julia Roberts hates me. And (laughs) there is a part of me that is so terrified. Like when I wrote it, I was like, I am a revolutionist. I am going to peel the layers off Hollywood. This is why Julia Roberts hates me. And I'm going to apologize in in the book to Julia. And I was like, then you think it's never going to get made. And now mm-hmm. I'm sitting here and there's like thousands of books going to Target, you know? And like, will Julia read it? Will someone, Julia knows, <laughs> read it. Will it get back to her? Will be she mad at me? Will it be on the Daily Mail? Like Kelty calls out Julia Roberts and like, will we be in a big public fight? And then like everyone in Hollywood will turn their back on me. And then mm-hmm. maybe I'll get sued. Like, I don't know. That's where it goes. That's the dark spot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yes,
1: you got great, but like. I did send it to a lawyer, and I was like, am I okay? And her answer was like, I think it's well known that Julia can be difficult. Oh, like, am I safe? I don't know. That's a lot. I don't know that. So you're, okay, so
0: have you ever been a part of kind of more of a, like, big public brouhaha cancel culture situation? Are you speaking from the fear of having been in it? Or are you speaking from the fear of watching how the world these days works, where it feels pretty, like pretty dice
1: I have a very thick skin we have been canceled multiple times on Lady Gang
0: oh um, tell us been, about
1: that I mean you, you don't have to tell st- us why you got
0: canceled but I'm okay. interested in knowing how
1: what's did that impact
0: you yeah like when you wake yeah. up the morning after yeah. being quote-unquote canceled what ha- what's happening in your body and your mind what's the what's the story that's running through your brain
1: the story that's running through your brain uh, after a cancellation, and and I would say like on a, a zero to 10, our cancellations were like four or five. Like they were okay. within our community. It was community members leaving. It, it never got to like, you know, public. It was like social media got involved and like you could see it on an Instagram if you went, but like- It wasn't getting reported on by People Magazine. It wasn't like a public firing at Netflix or something, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And so my thing with the cancellation is that you're just in this despair of feeling like, if I'm honest, like if these people have been reading my books, listening to my podcast, a part of this public life that I have for this many years, why are they not giving me the grace to pluck up? Mm -hmm. Every time that there's been something where people are like, you're a horrible person. I would be like, have you not listened to me? Like give you my insides and my guts and every Mm -hmm. moment of my life for seven years is out in public. And you would know that I'm a confused, imperfect person who screws up a lot. Like if you listen to the podcast, so why are you expecting this moment to be any different? And it's that despair of like, oh my God, my good did not outweigh this bad. People couldn't see through it and be like, well, this was a fuck up, but she's still a good person or she's a great person, but like, oh, this wasn't her best moment, which is how I kind of try to judge other people when they're getting canceled is like, oh, I did not agree with what you did there. But like, I can see that you've, are a nice person and look like a good dad. And you can be both of those things at the same time. So Mm,
0: that's a terrible feeling.
1: Yeah. Because you're speaking and you
0: know, it's like, I would guess that the vast majority of people that are listening to this show are not in danger of being publicly canceled. They don't have public platforms that are so big that they're waking up being, I I doubt there's many people that are listening to the show that lay in bed at night going, is Julia Roberts going to read that chapter that I wrote about her? However, all of us, I think, in our own world, in our own spheres of influence, whether you're you know, mm-hmm. running a company of 20 or you're a teacher or you're in the mom's group, whatever it is, we all, I do feel like, have the fear of getting canceled in our own world, right? Where it's like, I'm gonna make this mistake and I'm gonna quote unquote show, this is where I feel like it's so messed up. And I experience this a lot in marriage, like this sense that when my partner plucks up or says something really mean that that's his true self right and it's like all the 99% of the times where you're like kind and you're affirming and you're all of these things that's all bullcrap and in this moment when you're totally flooded and angry and afraid or whatever it is yep. I caught you it's like this yeah. moment it's like we want to believe that it's like, oh, that's your true self. That was Kelty's truest yeah. moment was her moment of pluck up as opposed yeah. to the opposite, which is like, oh, maybe her true self is the ninety nine percent. And then as, in this moment, she said this thing or did this thing or didn't say this thing or do this thing that was like, oh, confused or afraid or stress or whatever it was. Yeah. That there is like this moment of like, oh, that's who you really are. And that's a devastating That's a really, really heartbreaking thing to think that people around you are thinking of like that your worst, most plucked up self is the truest version of you versus what's actually scientifically true, right? Is that when we're in stress or fear or anger, our brain literally stops working. We're at like a 2% and we're just doing stupid stuff. It's like, that's not the real, that's not, that's not the real you,
1: but that's a scary thing. It really, I mean, it, it's so true. And I think that we have to live in this world. I, I try to give myself grace and I just remember it started to be like in therapy, but like, I mean, all I have is my life skills that I've learned in therapy because I had none before I went um, is that I, I this, try this to remind podcast me- is sponsored by therapy in yes. general. Yes. I try to, I try to remind myself this thing that my therapist says to me, which is like, no person is all good or all bad. Mm-hmm. We're all somewhere in the middle. And Mm -hmm. so we're, we can lean one way or the other, but like, I have people that like ride or die, love me that are like, could care less what I do for a living, care less if Julia Roberts is coming after me are like, let's go to Mexico and like go sit in the waves and look at the sun. And then I have people that only like me because Mm -hmm. of what I can do for them or how I can help them. And it's just like career based, you know what I mean? And I'm like somewhere in the middle of like it's is that who matters to me and somewhere in the middle between my worst self being like an absolute jerk when I'm doing a contract negotiation to like I'm coming over because you got diagnosed with cancer and I'm not leaving your side with a fluffy banquet for 5 days. Like we're all living somewhere in between those two people, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah which is a really humbling and I think that changes how we treat others too. When we just recognize yeah. like hey, we're all we're all a mix. I'm curious yeah. in the pluck up that you're talking about Did it feel like there was alignment between how people in the public were perceiving the pluck up versus like, were you like, yeah, that wasn't my best self or were you confused and like, no, 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 that wasn't like, where did you sit? How did you react? Or was it like, no, you're right. Not my best self. Also, I'm not evil.
1: Yeah. Well, I I would say like I've had a series of different little ones and so some of them like I've had a lot of struggles with my family over the last few years. My brother's mentally ill and it's been Mm. quite a journey and one that up until just a few months ago on the podcast, when uh, my brother was taking a turn for the good, I finally felt comfortable talking about and, my family's very private and they're private to me. So like we do not speak about it a lot, but Mm. um, I was going through a lot behind the scenes and no one knew. And so there was a moment where I had like taken a sleeping pill or taking something and then went on Facebook and I, I, and I said something that had nothing to do with what was going on, but it was taken completely out of context, like one line. And I remember feeling like, waking up the next morning and like everything's blowing up, right? Or in my own little circle of the world, everything's blowing up. And I remember thinking like, ooh, Kelty. Like, you're an idiot. Like I hated myself Mm. so much in that moment because I knew better. I did, there was such a stupid move. I was a fragile person. I should not have been on social media. Like I knew that and all I could do was apologize and be like, I really screwed up. And like, this is my worst self. This is like the kind of thing I do in private that I wouldn't want anyone to know about. Yeah. On the opposite side, there have been things that have been taken out of context or times that I've just messed up and said something like that was just so awful and it just came out. And then I instantly realized like, Like, oh my God, I need to apologize that. And then there's things that people took, you know, or in my friend group or whatever, like totally took out, like it wasn't, I didn't even mean it like that. And so like, you're still guilty because you hurt someone, but you're not guilty because you you don't think you screwed up, but you still have to apologize. It's just a whole circle. Being alive is very difficult.
0: It's so difficult. It's (laughs) so difficult. And when you do it out in front of the world, Some some people,
1: not all the people, you know, But you can understand why everyone kind of hides away and why it was so much easier when Instagram just wanted our photos because we could curate this perfect life with our photos. And now that they want a video, there's so much room for error in these reels. (laughs) You know? I can't just like filter this photo anymore of me on the street looking like I'm just having a happy Sunday. With your brunch? With your eggs, Benny? Exactly. Tell me a little bit about, okay, so when
0: you were just saying that, you when you were just sharing this story, you were like, no one knew what was going on. And yeah. then you took a sleeping pill and then kind of talked about it on the Internet. Yes. I think that what you just said is a really, really fascinating. I don't know, maybe piece snapshot into our existence as humans. Oh, yeah. The year of our Lord 2022. Yeah. Like so let's talk about that. So where was that gap for you? of why did nobody behind the scenes know totally what you were going through? Like, why did you feel like this is something that I have to carry by myself until it kind of exploded out onto your Facebook page?
1: Well, I think that, and I would hope that your listeners can relate to this. Sometimes it's easiest to share the light stuff. And Mm -hmm. the, you know, like if something really traumatic and tragic is happening in your life, To relive it by talking about it, to Mm. relive it again and again and again, it gets almost exhausting. It's Mm. like we've all been through the grief or loss in some way or a hard time when you kind of just want your friend to come and like just watch Housewives with you Mm -hmm. and just sit there. And like you don't want them to be like, how are you feeling? How are you feeling Mm. now? How are you feeling Mm -hmm. now? Like that's just an exhausting thing when you're going through trauma. And then I've had a family situation since I was a kid. And so I have always gone out. This is probably why I'm a three. I've always gone out into the world to be perfect and to win love Mm. by my perfection from other people so that I could somehow get out of the hole that was my somewhat difficult family situation. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the more perfect I was, the more Mm -hmm. loved I was, I felt like over here where the circus was on fire, people would notice me and they'd be like, oh, Kelty deserves love too because we're not just running around in this like titanic moment that's overstage yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think we have to really try hard to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Da- grace is like my word. It's like, mm. give yourself and give others grace. Like you have no idea when you see, you know, the other moms or the women and and people at work like, If they are, I'm working on a TV show right now and I was texting with one of my editors and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm just really burnt out. He's got two young kids and his mom has Alzheimer's and he's taking Mm. care of his mom. But like, that's not what you say when you log on to a Zoom at work, when you're like, when can we get this done? And someone's like, well, I gotta go take care of my mom who doesn't know who I am. Like so many people are dealing with this heartbreaking stuff that there really isn't a way to share it in your professional life Mm. or your personal life. So you just have to know that people are fragile. And I try to approach everyone of like, there was some big disaster before I'm seeing your face Mm -hmm. today. I don't know what your morning was like. I don't know what Maverick's morning was like. Like, I have no idea, but like I'm going to treat with the grace of like, it could have been a tornado before we sat down here. So let's like, you know. yeah. And I feel like, because one of, I'm very like
0: justice oriented. So one of the things that comes up for me is like, yes, and- we can't go around just ignoring things like there's there's something to be mm-hmm. said for justice and for accountability. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like, at least in myself, You're such an eight, I know. That's such an eight, I thing. so classic of like, we have to, you know, of just like we got we have to make the world right. And we have to protect people who can't protect themselves, all these things. Yeah. But I just feel like the way in which we acknowledge those misses can it's not saying what you said or did was okay. I don't think that's the answer of just like, well, I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you had uh, something terrible is happening behind the scenes, so I'm going to ignore that. But what if I bring it up with all of the assumptions in the world that you're going through something really hard? Because there's a really big difference between getting feedback when someone's like, oh, you did that and you did that because my suspicions about you have been confirmed. You're a, you know, blah, 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 whatever this terrible thing is about you and you just showed yourself versus hey, this thing was like not your best and it was hurtful or it was misguided or, you know, it didn't land, whatever it was. And I know that's not your best self. So like, let's talk about it. And how can we, I mean, it's like, you're delivering the same verdict is, that's not gonna fly. That's not acceptable behavior or whatever it is. But the spirit behind my assumptions of why that happened are completely different. And I know for me, when people are generous enough to assume that my pluck ups are not my best self, I'm so I feel so much more safety to admit it and Mm -hmm. to agree with them because I don't feel like I'm agreeing to the entire assessment that they just made about me being a terrible person. That's when I feel like we feel like we've got to defend ourselves because it's like, oh, my gosh, I messed up this kind of small thing. You're making these huge sweeping universal like statements about who I am, it feels like to agree to this small thing. Yeah, not great is also to agree to this big thing, which is like, I'm a worthless piece of crap that should be rejected by you and the rest of the world Versus like, oh, I can meet you there. I can meet you there and Mm -hmm. see your perspective of like, this was painful. This was selfish. This was unaware. This is whatever that was. And that's not the whole of who I am. And that at least makes me feel so much more ready and willing to go like, yeah, let's talk about how we can do that differently in the future.
1: I think, okay. I've had this both ways. There was a time in my life where like every time someone would come after me on social media or like right into the contact form on my website, I would like write a dissertation about why I was not a terrible person (laughs) and try to like really change their minds. And then uh, someone or something, or maybe I read it again, the Brene Brown quote about like, if you're not in the arena, getting your ass kicked too, then I don't want your opinion. And that has stayed with me. And I think everyone can take that into their lives. Like, yes, you know what? I will absolutely, if Becca or Jack from Lady Gang come to me and they're like, hey, when you act this way, when you send us text messages at 11 o'clock freaking out about stuff, like it's very hard. Like I will fix that. When my parents come to me and they're like, hey, mm. you're not calling Like when someone I, when my husband is like, I don't think you're taking care of yourself. Like those people are in the arena. They're yeah. seeing the struggle. I will take advice from them about my humanity, Yeah, but Jane on Instagram (laughs) with a fraggle as her icon does not (laughs) get to tell me who I am as a person because you don't know the full story. You're judging a tiny snippet and you don't know the struggle. So it's like, for me, there've been times where I just have to log off, get off the internet, get off the, unsolicited advice, the reviews on your podcast when people are like, you're a vapid bitch. I'm like, you don't know me, user number 47. Don't (laughs) listen. Unsubscribe. We don't want you here. Like, I'm fine without you. So you just have to like get good I've lived it both ways and it's exhausting to try to make everyone like you. So I'm just like, okay, are you on the team? Are you on team Kelty? If you're on team Kelty, then you're allowed to coach this life. Yeah, if you're not yeah. on the team, I'm so glad you're here. I hope we have some fun together. Maybe we can learn something together. But like, I'm not taking this criticism or your one sentence dissertation about that. I'm a bad person and should go fuck off. Like, no, I, I don't accept it. I'm not bringing it into my world.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that's good. I think that's a really, really good, very practical take because you don't want to, I don't think, I don't want to be a person who's like, I literally don't care what anybody thinks. Right. That sounds and like who, a social Nobody's that person. Me. I wish no. I was that person. And if you are, if you are, I actually think you're very deeply disturbed where it's just like, I am so disconnected between how sure. my actions sure. impact other people. So it's like, you don't want to just close off all feedback because there is, you know, there's this idea of like this question of how is my life actually working for the people in my life that I think is super valuable. And that's what I think makes you a great community member, friend, sister, whatever it is. But also you can't, you cannot weigh all of them the same, but it is, it's so challenging. I think it was you on the podcast I feel like it was you that your co-hosts were kind of a little bit making fun of that you get like one DM and then you come back to them and you're like, everybody's saying this. Yeah. So tell us more about that of just like, okay, you get one piece of criticism and then you come to your crew because what's the story you're telling yourself when you get the one angry DM?
1: Well, I'm thinking about, I am literally that person. I'm the P, what's the princess and the P? I'm like the girl, I'm God, I'm so old. I'm like, that's such an old story. No one's gonna know what I'm talking about. It's like a woman, she goes to bed, she's a princess. She's got like 10 mattresses, but there's a a P underneath the 14th one and all she feels is the P. Like a pee, like not peeing your bed, pee like you would eat anyway. So I really respect, like with Lady Gang, the podcast was one of the first female podcasts out there. Like we have a beautiful mm. community and people that have been our friends, our podcast friends for like seven years going on and have flown across the country. I've had meetups in London and Toronto. And I mean, it's just, I feel, I do feel it's a hard thing that these people are like kind of on the team a little bit, mm. like those, those mm-hmm. OGs. Yeah. And so- I do weigh things when people are like, hey, I really want a signed book and I can't get that anywhere unless I come to tour, but I live in Australia. Like that to me is like, Like, we need to fix this for everyone who feels that way, but only one person wrote in. So it's me jumping to conclusions. It's me being like hyper focused, aware and caring so much. And so it's one of those things that like the girls now, they're in the arena enough with me that they're like, Okay, but did everyone say that or did two people say like, it and you can't that? Literally stop about show it?
0: the receipts. Yeah. How and many DMs like, okay, did you're you get right. about this?
1: There's been very few times that like everyone felt a way about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's like, like you said. You don't want to cut yourself off to it. The the things that I have learned and why I am a better human today in 2022 are because the Lady Gang community, through reading our books and listening to our podcast, has held me accountable for times that I was a shitty person, or times that Mm. I wasn't focused correctly, or times that I wasn't using my power in a good, productive way. Mm. And so I'm a better person for it, but I can live a happier life if I take it in small chunks. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard, um, I think it's Brene
0: Brown that talks about the invisible army or the invisible they. I think that how when we get into this place, one, we do it to ourselves. One person said this and I'm jumping to, But pretty. that's the signal that everybody thinks that. Yeah. And then it's also a way that we can wield power over other people. Like yeah. when you come to someone and you're like, hey, I ha- it's not just me that has this problem. There's yeah. an invisible army. They, everybody feels this way. The whole team is thinking this. I had, com- whatever it is. yeah. And that like how we can use that to manipulate people because we know the reaction that other people are gonna have, which is a right. crushing sense of like, this isn't an isolated incident. This isn't one relationship. Everybody's feeling this way. And everybody's talking like, and that's like so crippling. And also that we just naturally, as humans, I've heard that it basically like mentally one negative feedback point weighs emotionally about as heavy as 10 positive pieces of feedback, which feels resonant in my life. That it's like I can get 10 positive pieces of feedback and kind of be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever, they don't really know, blah, blah. I like, yeah. you know, just like that doesn't really matter. They really give – Praise yeah. easily. I don't know. I'm like justifying it. And then the one piece of negative feedback, I'm like, that's the truth. And that feels like it weighs so much heavier. And so I think what your co host and friends are doing for you of like, take a beat, take a breath, and then actually ask just the question of like, literally, how many messages did you get is so powerful. And it's why community and friendship yeah. matter so much because if you're spinning, in your head and you don't actually put it out there and have it received by people who know you well enough to say, like, I'm actually not just going to take that at face value. I'm going to dig in and ask one question. Then we just spin. We spin forever in these our own little like kind of prisons that we create for ourselves that I find sometimes can only the cycle can only be stopped when we say it out loud. And when we have somebody that we love who's in the arena, who's on the team say, "Okay, I hear that. That must have been painful. And How many people actually wrote Mm -hmm. you about that? It's so Mm -hmm. powerful. That's such a great picture of community. What would you say to anyone who's listening? You know, I think the three of you obviously have kind of pioneered or maybe not pioneered, but, you know, a lot of the work that you're doing centers around you all, your relationships. Tell us a little bit about what have you learned over the last seven years living, working, creating about female friendship?
1: Oh man, that is such a good question. Whew. Well, I think what I've learned is to pause. I think mm. my, my secret sauce about female friendship is the pause. I think that when I look at my partners, Becca and Jack, like they're so special and they're so different and they're so different for me. We all want success. We all want happy lives. We all want to you know be able to pay our mortgages, but our Definition of success is very different. Like Becca's mm. definition of success is like, she wants to be with her family. She wants time off. She wants to have nice things, but she's like very family oriented. Jack is like, I want to be on an adventure. I want to barely work. I want to be in Italy in a fabulous dress, eating and drinking anything <laughs> you know? And for me, I'm like, I want to win awards and be like the mm. glamour women of the year because I've done mm-hmm. so much for womanhood. Like, so our, mm-hmm. our definition of success and what makes, and I think even if you're not in like, a business mind, like the definition of what makes your womanhood and what makes your life rich is different than your friends and that's okay. And so that is really important because I have to like check myself and be like, oh no, my best friend Katie who lives in Winnipeg with two boys and like, she doesn't care about going to Tahiti. I mean, maybe she does, but like she's just really excited to go camping. You know what I mean? So her life is much different. The pause is very important. I think that we have to just be like, it's okay to not respond to a text and maybe that person is stewing or maybe like you have to pause out on your life. Like I, when I get really upset and I like start spinning and I want to be like, well, it's your fault because you like, I, I just take a pause. I just go outside, have a glass of water, take a pause. My pause might be a week. My pause might be a month. My pause might be an hour. My pause might be five minutes. Like you just have to pause and you'll feel differently once you calm down, but we're such emotional beings. And this is like what men do all the time, not to like make it so gender normal, but like men are like, I don't know why you're so upset. And then they just go watch football. And you're like, how are you not stewing on this? Like I'm in the kitchen, like stewing, stewing, stewing. I'm rage cleaning. Yeah, like I'm, I'm rage labeling my pantry right yes. now. Like I'm so mad, I will put the granola out of the box into another canister that says granola. Like, you know, Um, and so I think the pause is really important. And, and then blatant, brutal honesty. Mm. It sucks. It sucks to hear it. It sucks to have those conversations. But like the only reason that Lady Gang still exists to this day Mm. is that we do on and off the podcast. You know, there have been multiple times that we've had to, I've had to call Jack. I've had to call Becca and either apologize or call them out and be like, Hey, I'm pissed right now. And let me tell you why. And we get it in the, on phone, in person, not via text, not via yes, email, like yes. just get it and then it's over. And then we truly put it to bed. Like, yeah. I don't think about things that went wrong in 2017 in Lady Gang where I was like, oh God, it was so shit. And like, you always do that. Like, we don't hold on to that. Mm-hmm. It's like the thing, you nip it in the bud and then you move on fresh slate for everybody. And it's that's so good. The only way to go, I think. And I find that the more you do it, it really does
0: build up like a muscle memory. The first few times it feels so scary and so big and so hard and so uncomfortable. And you're like, this friendship's over. We're never going to survive this. And I find that there's something really beautiful about then on the other side of that, the confidence, the intimacy, the trust, the commitment, Mm -hmm. I think grows because then now all of a sudden I'm operating in this like, oh, if I pluck up again, which I will, Mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. Like we're going to make it through that. There isn't this like fear of what happens when that fracture happens because you've moved through it. And there's a new level of kind of intimacy and connection and understanding on the other side of it. But we'll like all uncomfortable things. We don't get there. We don't get we don't get the juice without the squeeze. So I love that. And the pause. Mm, It's so good. Mm. I am so it is so hard for me. I am like such a compulsive action person like I get like I get just like hulked out in the middle of conflict and I'm just like you will not leave yeah. Until it's just like I get like compulsive that it's just like we are gonna stay in this room and we are gonna figure this out and wrestle through it. And it's like I, my deep self is like it's weak to leave in the middle of a conflict. And I feel that way when someone walks out on me in the middle of yeah. a conflict. This is embarrassing to say out loud, but my narrative is like you are weak. You can't hand if you were a real adult, you could stay in the ring and you could fight it Whoa. out and we could get to the other side of it. But I know it's actually wisdom. I know it's wisdom to like take a moment to. Take a beat. And it's not to say, I mean, I think if you never circle back to it, it's problematic.
1: Yeah. But you got to circle
0: back. You got to circle back. And you got to trust your people that they're going to circle back. Cause I think that's one of my big fears is like, you're going to walk out of this room and you're never going to circle back. And now we're going to have this kind of like unresolved thing that does, I think, over the long term, like create division and wedges in relationship. And so yeah. it's also a matter of trust. Like, I'm going to trust that you're going to take a beat and that you'll come back. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, wow, that was
1: very that
0: was we very fun. therapy. We had therapy. We, we really did. We I'm really did.
1: Beautiful orange lip, just being like, I should have put a lipstick on. <laughs> And just in love with you. This black room that you're in just seems so soothing. <laughs> like I'm coming over for a hug after this. It's been a real wonderful time. Glad this conversation. Uh, me I actually too. almost, I have this thing that happens where my nose gets itchy when I start crying. Like anytime I like dive deep into my emotions, I'm always like, <laughs> cause I don't do And your it, nose never. is itchy. Yeah, your I nose... have, like, the little nose where it's, like, my my face wants oh. to start, like, having a little tear of emotion of, like, we wow. did the
0: Wait, is we your nose itchy car. right now? Are you having yeah. a nose itch? Oh,
1: Kelsey, so my nose that's is itching, too,
0: in a different way, but, oh, that's so amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm rooting for you. Thank I'm you. I'm rooting for you and Becca and Jack and the whole lady gang as you go out and create this unique thing that only the three of you, there's a magic energy and uniqueness And so I just want to remind you, as you go out, as you fill this, not stadiums, theaters, next time it's going to be stadiums, um, that your work matters. And it matters regardless of how people receive it. I hope you get a lot of claps, but I, more than anything, hope that you lay in bed at night and are really proud of yourself and the work that you're doing in the world. And thanks for sharing a little bit of yourself on our show today. Loved it. This podcast was made possible by my amazing producers at Human Group Media. For updates and announcements about the show, you can visit lizbohannon.co or follow us both on Instagram. I'm at lizbohannon and they're at Human Group Media. And we love, 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 love. Did I say we love? hearing from our listeners and our beloved Plucking Up community. So feel free to comment, to shoot us a DM, and we look forward to connecting. All right, that's all for now. Until then, stay plucky.